Well, welcome back again, everyone, to the Spirit of Prophecy podcast. We're going to have another day talking about the new Old Paths Conference coming up at Revival Baptist Church in January. Very excited about it. Yesterday, uh, we had Pastor Boyle and Brother Scott Campbell uh, on the program, as well as Pastor Obi. Uh, but today, uh, we have another one of the speakers that we're going to be featuring on the program, Pastor Theo Matthews of the Abiding Word Baptist Church in Jacksonville, Florida. Uh, this is the first time I've had him uh, on the podcast. He had uh, I featured one of his sermons that he uh, that he has preached on prophecy. But very excited to have him. And so, Pastor Matthews, if you want to go ahead and just take a couple of minutes, introduce yourself, tell everybody a little bit about uh, you and your church, and then also what you are planning on talking about at the conference. Well, I'm Pastor Matthews from Abiding Word Baptist Church in Jacksonville, Florida. And our church is a soul winning church. Uh, that's very important to us. Every week we go out soul winning and most of our church participates in soul winning uh, each week. And uh, I'm really excited about the new Old Paths Conference coming up. It's a, a, a great opportunity to basically expound upon some of the uh, Baptist beliefs that we have. And my particular topic is on the post-trib uh, uh, position as far as uh, end times prophecy. And so uh, the position that I hold is a, a post-tribulation rapture, uh, uh, post-tribulation pre-wrath. And uh, I know that many, many pastors, many people like the idea of a, a pre-tribulation rapture where, you know, the, the belief is that everyone just gets sucked out of here uh, b before uh, the Antichrist you know, starts you know, uh, punishing everybody. But the, the problem is that the uh, Bible does not support that at all. Uh, a, a lot of people also think that, oh, yeah, we're, we're going to get out of here and, uh, uh, you know, we're not appointed unto wrath, you know. But the unfortunate thing is that they don't understand the, that the wrath of God is not what's coming in the, the beginning of the Daniel 70th week. The, the wrath is later after the second half. Uh, and so uh, that's actually the Antichrist at the beginning that's you know, trying to stick it to Christians. And so uh, we, we are trained. We are, we're taught to, you know, to trust, trust Jesus, to endure, you know, and to continue soul winning, continue preaching the gospel through that time. That's why it's a time of, of uh, great tribulation because it's going to be hard to do. But uh, we need to continue doing that until the Lord comes. And, you know, when he when he comes in the sky, you know, we'll see him and then he'll pull us out. Uh, and so um, I'll be preaching on that, that uh, topic of the um, post-trib position. And so uh, I look forward to the the new Old Paths uh, conference that's coming up in January. And so, yeah, well, I'm looking forward to that. And, you know, it's uh, what's funny about this subject is because, you know, the pre-trib doctrine, it is it's such a sacred cow in the IFB world. And, and I know, you know, me and Pastor Boyle, we've talked about this, you know, we, we love pre-tribbers. We're from that world. We used to be pre-tribbers. Um, we have no problem fellowshipping with pre-tribbers, but I'm this way. And I know Pastor Boyle is this way. And I think this confuses people, but we are very, uh, vocal about the foolishness of that doctrine. Be And, uh, in yesterday's program, you know, I mentioned how there are there's things that the IFB has let slip. There's false doctrine that has crept in, and the pre-trib rapture and that that doctrine 
it's gone so unchallenged for so long that some of the ridiculous things that are being preached in the name of the pre-trib doctrine is absolutely embarrassing. And um, I do think that, you know, I don't, maybe people think we're being hypocritical because usually when you disagree with somebody, you're supposed to hate them. I don't hate them, but I can't be honest about that doctrine without being pretty, you know, hostile in my rhetoric towards it. Cause it isn't really bad teaching. And I know pastor Boyle, uh, you know, you're, you're a gracious guy, but I, you know, I've heard you say some, the same things like, on, you know, on one hand, you're like, Hey, I love pre trippers love fellowshipping with them, but you, you hit the doctrine pretty hard too. Yeah. And that's one of the things that I try to, when I'm talking to oftentimes a pre-trib pastor and they'll say things like, Oh, you know, it's not a big deal. You know, we can still be friends. And they act as if, you know, they won't hit the subject if we don't hit the subject. And I make it very clear in those conversations, look, if you are pre-trib, you need to get up from that pulpit and you need to preach that. If that means blasting me, then you need to do that. You need to preach the truth. If our friendship is going to cause you to compromise on what you believe, we shouldn't be friends. But know this, I'm going to get up and preach my view of what the Bible teaches, which is a pre-wrath post-trib. And I'm going to be tearing apart a pre-trib rapture. And so you can't make friendship based on what I preach on and what I don't preach on. Um, but I will say this, and this is one of the reasons I'm very thankful for the conference and for you having us on the podcast here today. And, and of course, Pastor Matthews and the friendship there. Uh, but we're, we're going to have a platform at this conference, the New Old Paths Baptist Conference, where we're going to preach the biblical view of the rapture uh, uninterrupted, uh, just opening up the scriptures and just showing how we are appointed to tribulation. But we are never appointed to wrath. And the biggest uh, the biggest bullet in their arsenal is the fact that they can prove we don't have to face wrath. But if we can show you the wrath of God does not begin until after the midway point, then it, pre it presents a big problem. And so the pre-tribbers, whether it's knowingly or not, they, they misrepresent our view. I mean, grossly misrepresent our view. And then it makes sense, like, who would ever believe a post-trib view? It doesn't, you know, they, they simplify it, you know, to the point where it doesn't make any sense. And they say, see how silly this is? Well, I'm thankful for the platform that we're going to have where we can just preach it from the Bible. And I think you're going to walk away saying, you know what? There is something there. Mm -hmm. um, it's not the narrative that the pre-tribbers are setting up so they can easily tear to tear apart the straw man. Uh, it's the Bible is very clear that you're going to have a hard time proving scripturally that we are not going to face tribulation, because every time tribulation is in the Bible, we're going through it. Right. Mm -hmm. But if all you can do is prove we are not going to face the wrath of God, well, we can easily show you in Scripture that that wrath begins after the midway point. You know, the vials, the trumpets. And things of that sort. So I think it's going to be an interesting topic, uh, but it should never be a friendship breaker. It, as long as they know that we're going to preach a post-trib view, and I would expect them to preach a pre-trib view, and uh, not to hold back any because of a friendship that we may share. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, I, I had a friend, uh, a, still a good friend. I've been friends with this man for decades, um, but he pastors a church, and. Um, he, I remember he called me up one time and he's like, Hey, you know, I'm getting ready to preach a prophecy series in my church. And he's like, I don't want you to think I'm going after you. 
in it, you know, and I was like, Hey, I said, if that's what you believe, preach it. And I told him, and I told him this too. I said, if you want, and one of the reasons he was bringing this up too, he had, uh, um, someone who followed me online in his church too, who believed like I do, you know, I told him, I don't care. You can preach a sermon called, uh, debunking Tommy McMurtry. That's fine. As long as you accurately represent me. And most of the time, pre-trivers do not accurately represent our position. And it's because they've never really looked into it that much. And so I'm hoping some people who've maybe, you know, they've heard what people are saying about us. I'm hoping when they listen and actually hear it from us, you know, I think one, it'll show them to that. Hey, this actually does make sense. But also too, you know what? You know, I hope the, you know, it ends up proving these people liars who do accurate or who do misrepresent what we teach. That's not fair. Uh, we need to, you know, and I think we need to make sure we do the same thing on our side. When we're debunking pre-trib, we need to accurately represent it. And so I'll tell you this, when we're debunking the pre-trib, their argument's very weak. Mm-hmm. So it, it, and sometimes it's even silly, like Re- revelation four, one is a rapture. Right. And so, mm-hmm. you know, we do have the, the scripture on our side. So when we, when we debunk them, it, it's very easy to do so. And then when they try to, you know, debunk our view, yeah. it is difficult for them because I believe we have a solid biblical yeah. standing, but I'll say this coming from a pre-trib, I was pre-trib for the majority of my ministry. And I just, I never heard a post-trib pre-wrath presentation clearly explained. And so it was just, in my mind, I would think, how can people believe that we're going to go through God's wrath? And we know there's no way. And God's, why would God do that? He would, you know, we're his bride. And who, who do they think we are? And, and it was just logically, it made crystal clear sense. Um, It wasn't until I actually studied the Bible and began to hit the topics that I realized you know, I was not understanding the post-trib pre-wrath view at all. In fact, I was the, what I believed was a false narrative that had almost no scriptural backing, very weak at best. I think most people that believe in a pre-trib view uh, have the same issue too, where they can't, they can't, they don't know exactly how to teach somebody uh, their view. They just know they believe that it's before the tribulation. So when, uh, they have a, but they have a problem accurately representing our view. They have a hard time even right. teaching their own view. Uh, and I've never heard anybody uh, preach a, a timing of the rapture type message uh, from a pre-tribulational standpoint uh, that really could show uh, any kind of, they can't show any proof for the timing of the rapture if they try to prove that it's before but they have to arrive there uh based on logic you know because of the other beliefs that they have about zionism and dispensationalism and so if all of these things are true then a pre-tribulation rapture must be true and therefore that's why we believe in it whereas the difference on our end is you know you know for for example i i could easily take somebody to five different places in the Bible right now and show the consistency of the order of events and show the timing of a post-trib pre-wrath rapture over and over and over again from the Bible. So we don't need any kind of uh, logical arrival to this position. 
but rather we can show it over and over and over again uh, from the Old Testament to the New Testament. Uh, all over the Bible, we have uh, a sequence of events, an order of events, and we can show a rapture in many different places in the Bible. Uh, so that is the difference. But I think there's ignorance on the uh, pre-trib wrath uh, side to even their own position. Why they, in of course, why would they be able to accurately represent ours? And then if they did look into it, they're probably going to come out of that study believing what we believe. So they're going to stay away from it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's, Go ahead, Pastor Matthews. I, I, was, I was just going to add to that. Uh, that was a part of how I, I came along. I mean, it was like 10 years ago when I heard a, I wasn't either pre-trib or post-trib. I just heard a, a presentation on pre-trib and I, you know, I was looking down there. They only had a few scriptures. Uh, Revelation four was one of them saying, oh, this is the rapture. And, you know, I, I understood what he was talking about, but when I read, I, it didn't line up with what I was reading in the Bible. I mean, Old Testament and the New Testament put together. There's all they used was scriptures in the uh, book of Revelation, which it, I, I would think, I would, I would hope, at, you know, at that time that they would have more scripture that's consistency throughout the entire Bible because we want to know, you, you know, what the timing, the order of events and everything. And when you look through, the rest of the Bible, you know, Joel and Jeremiah, you know, you're looking at other places, uh, not in the New Testament. Uh, you, it actually gives more validity to, you know, what the post-trip position is just in Revelation. So you can't just use Revelation, which is what the pre-trip presentations that I saw, uh, they were using a lot of Revelation, but it's a lot of logical leaping and you have to kind of use uh, imagination and all that where in the post-trip position, you just read it straight out of the Bible. Uh, and so that's, that's where I kind of was like, okay, yeah, I'm post-trip. Mm. Yeah. 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 And I was going to ask you about that too, because um, I know since you've been in the ministry, you've always been post-trip, but I didn't know if you were ever in that pre-trip camp. So you, you've never really been pre-trip then? No, I, I, so it wasn't, it wasn't even important to me until I got, you know, I got in here, uh, about, uh, 2017 when people were talking about different things like dispensationalism, uh, the, uh, end times prophecy. I, I hadn't really, you know, settled on any particular position, but from what I had seen, uh, you know, it's like, you just read the Bible. You're not going to find, you're not going to find the pre-chip rapture in the Bible. The same thing with dispensationalism. You're not going to find that in the Bible. You, if you read the Bible, and that was a uh, a priority of mine when it came to studying the Bible, I just came to just an understanding and I, I rejected what I had heard. But I, I mean, I, I understood it. I did understand the pre-chip rapture. It's just it, when it comes to what the Bible actually teaches, it didn't line up. And so, okay. so, yeah. So what I noticed was what I noticed with the pre-trib was it was not what revelation said that they built it on. It was what it didn't say. And they would say now revelation four is where we believe the rapture happens. But if you read revelation four, there's no rapture. Yeah. John is even bodily, not even raptured. He's taken in the spirit to see future events. Mm -hmm. And then they'll say, but, because the church is no longer mentioned from here forward, we know that that is our rapture. Well, and there's a lot of logical leaps. That's where the logic comes from. Whereas when I heard a post-trib view, 
you mean you read Revelation 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, and then 7, there's this multitude no man can number. And you're like, well, who's that? That looks like a rapture. They overcame by the blood of the lamb, their white robes and palms in their hands, a multitude no man can number. And then instantly after that, the wrath of God is poured out. There's no logical leaps there. There's a rapture there. The question is, whose rapture? And if it's not our rapture, who are these multitude no man can number? And that was the question that I began to ask pre-tribbers before I was post-trib. Who are they? And they would say tribulational Jews, but the scripture expressly tells us they were of every kindred, tongue, nation, people. And that's when I began to say, okay, so Revelation 4 is your bullet. That's your rapture. But if you never told me that was a rapture, I would have never known mm -hmm. just by the text. Right. And I would have put it at Revelation 7 by just the text. And you're going to find as you study into this, it's very clear there's there are no logical leaps when when does this multitude no man can number show up in revelation after the sun and moon are darkened joel tells us that the sun and moon are darkened before the great and terrible day of the right. lord well when is that in the midway point so there's a there's a lot of connections that happened for me that made it so clear i thought how could i have ever missed it before and that's why we've laid out the topics uh, and and how we're going to cover them throughout the conference the right. way that we've laid it out because uh you know you know we're ending with uh the topic of the timing of the rapture and the doctrine that we believe uh, uh in a in a post-trib pre-wrath rapture but what you have to understand and why we've laid it out the way that we have for the the, the discussions of the conference you know talking about zionism and talking about why we don't uh, believe that we should be, uh, you know, insert, inserting that into the, the the Bible that the promises that were made to Abraham are actually for us uh, as Christians. And how does that uh, make sense uh, if you are not dividing uh, the Bible dispensationally, whereas that is a prerequisite or a requirement to divide the Bible dispensationally, where you would have to separate the church from a physical nation or a physical people, Israel. And we reject that ideology. We, we reject, reject that theology. And when you do that and dispensationalism goes away, well, so does the pre-trib rapture. It's, it's gone. It's not even, it's not even in the Bible. It's not even in the Bible when you're a dispensationalist, it's a mystery. And they, they'll say, well, anything that sounds like it could be a rapture is not for the church. It's for the Jews. And they dismiss it because they're rightly dividing the rapture right out of the, the text. And then they're replacing it with another rapture that happens at another time. And there's no consistency with any of that. Uh, and then anytime it is a rapture, it's not a rapture, but we, obviously we know we are raptured and therefore it's a mystery rapture mm -hmm. that's not found in scripture. And so we reject all that, but it may, it'll make sense if you hear how, you know, because the pre-trib rapture at the end of it all is a, re it's a requirement if you're dispensational and if you're a Zionist. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so once you're gone. So is the preacher of rapture. Yeah. So I have a really important question. I want. I. I, I don't want to ask Pastor Matthews this, but Brother Scott, were were you ever in the pre-trib camp or? No. Okay. No, so, uh, 
you know, like, like uh, Pastor Matthews, um, this is what I've learned. And I, I believe that, that uh, that's a good thing. Uh, I, yeah. I, I counted a blessing to not have to have learned something and then unlearned yeah. that and then tried to, you know, uh, make sense of it all after the fact, whereas it's much easier for somebody to read their Bible and make sense of their Bible and uh, be blessed by reading their Bible when they are right on this doctrine. Because as you go through from Genesis to Revelation, you can see over and over and over again the different things that are symbolic of the rapture, symbolic of the tribulation, and symbolic of uh, all the promises and things that belong to the, the God's people who they would call the church. We just say that's Christians, and you, you'll miss all of that if you're dispensational. Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah. So I, I'm gonna I want to ask both of you. I want Pastor Matthews to answer it first. I want you guys to be honest with me, because uh, you can help me out here uh, with some of my uh, listeners, because I do have some people who listen to me pretty regular who get very upset with. I guess how gracious I am, how much I'll fellowship with pre-tribbers and dispensationalists. And I've been accused of compromise and, uh, and there are, there's, while there, I, it, I do believe there's advantage to never having been caught up in the foolishness of the other side, you know, and, and I'm, I'm thankful for people who uh, were taught it right from the beginning. Cause there, it's hard to unlearn stuff. Um, but at the same time, I know my view of pre-tribbers and I know Pastor Boyle feels the same way. Um, you know, because we're from that world, you know, we, we kind of understand these people, but it does seem like some people who are not from that world just really struggle as to how a saved, sincere person can read their Bible and come up with the pre-trib rapture. And so, you know, what are, you know, Pastor Matthews, you know, what is your thoughts? Let's just be honest. I mean, I, I'm sure you trust us, you know, that these people are saved and all that, but when you're listening to a pre-tribber taking a King James Bible and just butchering it to prove a pre-trib rapture, you know, what are the thoughts that go through your head? Do you think, how can this guy be saved? You know, um, should I be, should I be nicer to the people who I think are nut jobs for like, you know, trying to throw them all in hell and stuff like that? Do they, you know, what, what are your thoughts? Just real honest, even if you're not, yeah. you know, you're not going to hold people to these things, you know, just, you know, what do you, what crossed your mind when you hear this stuff? So sometimes I, I, I think that tradition, uh, saved or unsaved. Okay. I, I, I don't automatically think, oh, they're unsaved because they don't believe in post-trib rapture, rapture. I, uh, I think that they hold on to traditions that they have. And a lot of people get into the trap of, well, I got to. I got to find in the Bible where it supports my tradition, what I'm used to, what, what I've been taught, what, you know, what I've been around. And I, you know, I would offer the, uh, the, the position that the Bible teaches and kind of encourage them to, you know, listen to in, from their perspective, a new view, uh, you know, just something to challenge them with it. But I, I wouldn't attack them. I mean, recently, you know, I agreed with uh, a man about, the different, you know, we're, we're different on uh, end times prophecy. You know, he believed the pre-trip rapture. I believe the post-trip rapture. And he, he and I, we just wanted to leave it at that. 
and let's go soul winning. So, um, so I, I'm not very um, militant about it. But if if they want to, you know, cause a problem or you know, make it a, a, a huge deal, like no, you have to know that the pre-trip rapture is, you know, that that is the the, the timing of the rapture. It, you know, it's, it's happening before. You know, um, uh, I. I, I just want to just continue with my, my beliefs. You know, I, I know what the Bible says and I, I adhere to that. I, I teach our people that, you, you know, um, so I don't want to get into any, any fights or anything. If they want to stay where they are, that's fine. So thoughts that go through my head are basically, that's their tradition. They're going to try to, you know, twist and, you know, mangle the Bible to fit their tradition. They shouldn't do that, but, um, you know, I, that, that, that's on them, but I'm not saying that they're not saved. So, yeah. So. Okay. Now that no, I think that's uh, I think that's a good attitude. Uh, you know, how, how about you, Pastor Scott? And, you know, and don't tell me what you do. I'm sure you do the right thing. But like, what do you what do you think? What do you want to do? do? Can can you sympathize with these people that are like telling me these people are unsaved? You shouldn't be fellowshipping with them. I mean, wh what are your thoughts? Being seems you've never uh, yeah, been well, in that if, world. If, well, if that's the case, if somebody's you know going to respond to it that way i would say that that person's just that's not a mature christian uh, anyway uh, to to uh to respond to somebody that believes different on you know because most most uh saved christians believe that the rapture happens before the tribulation uh you know so to doubt you know to doubt their christianity based on what they believe about the timing of the rapture that's just silly and that's immature but, you know, if you think about it from the perspective of somebody that does believe that the rapture happens before the tribulation, you know, there's, it's a comfortable position to have, you know, seeing that most people believe that. So they, from their perspective, I would just assume that they don't feel like there's a burden to prove anything from their side because most people believe that. So I, I don't anybody that I know of that had a genuine desire to dive into the Bible that's, you know, because I know Pastor Boyle has this testimony. I know several from, you know, I know, I know guys in our church that have the same testimony that they sat down one day and they, they, they said, this is what I believe. They prayed, they prayed about it. They said, God, I'm going to read it. Uh, you know, I, I show me the truth. And then at that time they studied through and what they found at the end of the study was that they no longer believed in a pre-trib rapture because there was too many questions that came up during the course of that study that, uh, you know, the, the typical, uh, answers couldn't answer. And therefore through study and cross-referencing and, and putting all these pieces to that, together, they came out with an understanding that, Hey, that seven years is not all uh, the wrath of God. Uh, you know, the first three and a half years are, are tribulation and, and, and we're there for it. And then the rapture comes and then God pours out his wrath right. for the rest and the remainder of those seven years. And so I, I think that the, the biggest uh, downfall to... Uh, holding a position that where you believe that the, the, the rapture happens before the tribulation is that you're not going to understand a lot of your Bible. It's going to be very 
dark, mysterious, and a lot of it's locked up because of the position that you hold. And therefore, I think you see a lot of other areas start slipping because I think it discourages people. What I find is when uh, people are most excited about reading the Bible and when they're growing the most is when they're reading the Bible the most is when they understand the Bible and it's satisfying that hunger. But when uh, dispensationalism and all these doctrines like a pre-trib rapture cloud the Bible, it discourages people from reading it. And then you don't have very strong soul winners. You don't have, you know, a very strong uh, church that's you know, unified with the mind of Christ. And, and you see a lot of things starting to slip when the, the, the people are not reading the Bible. So I see that as the most uh, concerning part about it. And then other than that, they're just not going to be ready when the tribulation does actually come. It's going to catch them by surprise. And they're not going to be prepared for the things that are coming. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I think those are great answers, but... For my listeners who are more rabid about this, I tried to ask these questions in a way where they were going to be really hostile and be like, yeah, I, I don't get it. You know, I don't understand how these people can be saved, but it sounds like they have a pretty balanced view. And I think you all are just, some of you all out there are just a little too rabid <laughs> when it comes to this stuff. But let me just say this. Um, there are many pre-tribbers that treat people who are post-trib the same way as some of these rabid post-tribbers that act like they're not all saved. And, uh, but I think, I think as time goes on, um, we're seeing less of that. And that's why I, another reason I'm thankful for this conference is uh, I'm looking forward to different churches and different preachers being featured where you do, you have godly people, you have sane people. Uh, we have good churches. We have, uh, conservative churches, conservative music, you know, we have all these old paths, um, you know, traditions and things. And, but at the same time, we don't hold that preacher of eschatology. And so I think, and, and pastor McMurtry, mm -hmm. it is the new old paths Baptist conference. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, when you're talking about, you know, how, you know, we, we get, we get it from the other side, you know, because we believe in a post-trib rapture how the pre-tribbers will you know you uh, shoot at us and say well you must not really be baptist if you don't believe in a pre-trib rapture you don't believe in dispensationalism you don't believe that the jews uh, that occupy the land of israel today are god's chosen people well they they'll start doubting whether we're baptists or not but we we are uh independent fundamental king james only baptists and we weren't going to put an emphasis on that at the conference as well yeah well and because i think it's i think one of the, again people are starting to see the fruit and in the in the old paths world the hashtag old paths world as i often like to call it um you know they are they're very leery of any kind of change and they're always thinking things are going to lead to liberalism and it's always about what direction you're going but you know like you know myself and pastor boy we've been around long enough that it is obvious the direction that we're going and they're not seeing us going into all this liberalism in fact you know uh they're seeing us you know hang on tight and uh sticking with the uh, many of the things that they've stood for for a long time and so i think a lot of people are calming down as they visit our churches and 
Uh, and I know one great thing about you guys, your location, a lot of people visit, you know, your church and are getting to see, um, you know, the, a post-trib church that it's not some, you know, church full of psychos eating paint off the walls and stuff like that. And, um, and, and I've had preachers too, who were very leery of me, but after they came and they visited our church and they saw what was going on, you know, it's like, I, you know, I, I still disagree with them on this, you know, eschatology and the Jews and all that, but you know, I think I can fellowship with these people. And so I, I do, I think that's what we need. We need conferences like this. And I would, I would love for people who other, you know, who are pre-trib to come and, you know, I know this is your conference pastor blow, but is it okay if I'm inviting preachers, Hey, come and judge us, come and check the fruit. Mm hmm yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, my sentiments to the question you asked, Brother Scott and Pastor Matthews, is, of course, I have a soft heart for them, because if all pre-tribbers are wicked, infidels, not saved, don't love the Lord, that's where I got saved. That's where I surrendered to be a missionary and full-time service to the Lord. That's where I learned to go soul winning, all while believing a pre-trib rapture. Mm -hmm. That's where I read my Bible from cover to cover over year after year after year. And that would mean I didn't love the Lord. That would mean I truly didn't get saved, that they're not producing missionaries and soul winners. And none of that's true. I can understand someone who's never been in a pre-trib movement or a dispensational movement to see how foolish it looks. Mm -hmm. But when you're in it, and they're controlling the narrative, you don't look at it as foolish. You just look at it as like, wow, that's deep. One day I'll study it, but until then I trust them. And, you know, they'll show you a little truth and you're like, wow, I would have never pulled that out. He's smart. Mm -hmm. uh, but you never doubt it. And, you know, you grow to the point. In, in other words, if someone would have seen me three years prior to me becoming post-trip, they would have looked at me and said, I'm not saved. My ministry in Romania is a false. I don't love the Lord. I don't read my Bible. And none of that would have been true. I just didn't get to that point in my Christian walk. And so, yes, we want pre-trippers to come. We're not looking for yes men. Just come and get, take notes and figure out how to preach against us, if that's all you're coming for. Because I have confidence that the word of God is where our doctrine lies. And I can say that because... I've, I've read every pre-trib book you can throw my way up until, unless it was written the last 10 years, I haven't read them. <laughs> uh, but in Bible college, I went to a pre-trib Bible college. I had, my pastor is one of the biggest champions of the pre-trib doctrine and dispensationalism that you can find. Um, I've heard everything. I've heard their arguments. And when I saw the scripture and let it just read for what it said, all of that fell apart. And I've, I'm confident that if you'll just, even by, by tuning in online, give us your ear and let scripture do the same, you'll start to see some cracks in your doctrine uh, because truth will prevail. And if you're hungry for it, you'll get there eventually um, because I do believe that this is what the Bible teaches. I don't need a chart. I don't need you to read a book. I don't need you to let me explain it. Really, you could give a fifth grader your Bible and say, I want you to highlight every dispensational change. And they're going to say, what is that? Mm. And they're going to have no lines, right? And then you say, now I want you to highlight where the rapture happens in Revelation. They're all going to highlight Revelation chapter 7, 
and say, this sure looks like a rapture. You have to teach them out of that. And so I'm confident that what we have is what the Bible teaches. Um, I've never understood my Bible better. And so we encourage people to come, build your faith, um, better understand our view. Uh, whatever the reason is, yes, it'll be warm. It would be like this. It would be like if we were having a King James conference and you showed up as a visitor with an NIV Bible. We're not Bible checking at the door. We're going to come. And if we're so insecure in our stance that you being there with an NIV is going to ruin our message, then maybe we don't have truth, right? <laughs> we have confidence that our message is truth and you'll one day leave that NIV Bible behind on your own terms. But we're not going to, we're not going to tone down the preaching, but the truth will prevail. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's good. Uh, no, that that's that's good stuff. And so, um, yeah, I, I I think people just need to they you know they need to come, they need to listen. And one of the things that uh, aggravates me greatly is all these people are seeing leave the IFB, um, and they all they'll bring up the shallow doctrine, and sometimes they'll point out things that are legitimate. But I can't believe these people when they say they're sincere when they're just embracing carnality and throwing out clear truths. And so it's like, I wish we would just get more people to just say, yeah, the IFB has some flaws, but instead of throwing out all the good things, let's just fix what's wrong. And so that's this, you know, that's the thing with the churches represented here. We just want to fix things that are wrong in our churches. We don't want to throw it all out because again, like, like you said, I read through, I, you know, I was, taught to read my Bible. I was taught a love for the Bible from a pre-tribber. I was taught the KJV only position from pre-tribbers. I was, I was taught how to get saved from preachers. I was taught how to soul one from pre-tribbers. I mean, the things that are most important in my life all came from pre-tribbers. In fact, to this day, some of the most important things that helped me in my life still come from pre-tribbers. You know, when it comes to uh, having a walk with God, loving God, holy living, how to be a good husband, how to be a good father. You know, the, I still get these things from pre-trivers and they have so many wonderful things to offer. And, and so I'm always frustrated and I, you know, on, I'm, I'm on Twitter, you know, I confuse people on there because, you know, I'm always de like defending IFB guys too, but I'm also always getting in arguments with them because I don't line up with them on some things that are real hot button issues. And I clearly am not accepted by many in the IFB world, but I will defend them to the death when it comes to areas of their right. And so people who also are not accepted by the IFB, they just turn around and kind of hate them. And, are, and, and so they don't understand me. It's just like, why are you standing with these people that won't stand with you? And it's like, it's, well, it's not about standing with people. It's about standing with truth. And there is, you guys right now are attacking areas where they're right. You're attacking their King James only position. They're right about that. You know, you're attacking them on their separation and their soul winning and things. They're right about that. Now, if you want to attack, attack them for their eschatology, then, you know, <laughs> you, you, you know, <laughs> feel, feel free to do that. But, um, at the end of the day, there was a time in my life where of course, I follow these things because I went to an IFB church, you know, but 
uh, eventually they became mine. And, and so I still have them and the things that I felt like I need to get rid of, I, you know, I've gotten rid of those things, but, um, yeah, you know, but we don't need it. We don't need to throw it all out. I think they're just using their legitimate flaws as an excuse to embrace carnality personally. Well, it reminds me back when my pastor and I, we had, we, it came to light that I was no longer pre-trib and I was surprised that it was enough to break fellowship over. And, you know, back then it was like, well, you're not independent fundamental. And, you know, I began to think, well, who am I? And, and I began to, to, to do some reflecting, like what is an independent fundamental Baptist? And when we had that fallout, you know, I didn't get on social media. In fact, I didn't have social media back then, um, but word traveled. And all of a sudden, everybody who got mad at my home church for wrong reasons, where the, my church was right and they were wrong. They're calling me like, yeah, we're with you. And no, 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 no. I agree with my church on those issues. Mm. I think you're wrong. I think you're liberal. I think you should be the, you know, you're, the, you're in the wrong. My home church is in the right. And it's funny how they, they, they would all come flocking to you thinking that you're now in there. And in reality, I was still in the same camp I always was. I just believed a different rapture. I still believe the King James. I still believe in standards. I still believe in holy living. I still believe in soul winning. I, I still believe everything that the flavor of my home church is the flavor of Revival Baptist Church. And that's not changing. Right. And so, but, but I think the reason people thought that is the pre-trib dispensational camp makes it look like it's one or the other. You're either pre-trib or you're liberal. You're either dispensational or you're Pentecostal and you, they don't, they, they don't even give you any other alternative. And so I think the guard is up when, when a, a, a loyal church member who loves the Lord and loves their church, hears someone say something like I'm non-dispensational. They're like, well, wow, the drums are coming in and the purple lights are coming in next because that's what they've been told. And so I'm excited to offer the fact that no, we're independent fundamental Baptist, but we believe these things and we're still independent fundamental Baptist. Mm -hmm. And here's the interesting part. None of the doctrines that they're splitting over are even in the Baptist distinctives. Mm -hmm. There are <laughs> doctrinal Baptist distinctives that determine whether you're Baptist or not. Right. And it is not dispensationalism. It is right. not Zionism. And it is not the pre-trib rapture. Right. But they're making these Baptist distinctives when they're clearly not. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. And I'll, I'll say this too, because yeah, that was one of the things too. I remember realizing, wait, this isn't even in the Baptist distinctives. That was a, that was kind of a big moment for me, but you know, one of the things that I think is important for all of us as independent Baptists is we all want to be able to get up in our pulpits and preach with conviction. And and when it comes to eschatology, while I think everything in the, in the Bible is important, it's pretty low on my list of priorities. And I had a situation a couple, uh, two or three years ago, maybe, um, where there was a church that before I had kind of, you know, I had had a falling out. The pastor got pretty upset uh, when I became post-trib and I didn't see why we shouldn't be able to fellowship. And, uh, but anyway, um, he had actually invited me to a meeting at his church, which surprised me when he invited me to it. And I was thrilled to get it, you know, to be invited. 
And so I went to it, H had a great time of fellowship. And then I remember all of a sudden I started getting all these people from that meeting and that fellowship that were like reaching out to me, people from that church that had different ministries reaching out to me. And, um, and so I started getting the impression. I was like, I hope these people don't think I've like went back to pre-trip. And so I, one of them, uh, that had reached out to me, um, I was talking to him and I just told him, we, I said, Hey, you know, I said, I've got a feeling people are kind of getting the impression that I've repented of the doctrine. Cause I showed up at that meeting and he was just like, well, yeah, that's, that's what's going around. And I'm like, oh, that's not cool. Cause I said, I told him, I said, I never wanted to stop fellowshipping with you guys. I was kind of, you know, pushed out. But I said, you know, I was thrilled to get invited back, you know, to the meeting and, you know, I had a great time, but I said, uh, I don't want to have to, you know, fight this battle all over again. So I, I called the pastor up and I just told him, I said, listen, I appreciate you inviting me to the meeting. Um, you know, and I said, I enjoyed the fellowship. I never wanted to quit fellowshipping with you, but I said, apparently it's going around that because I showed up at this meeting, people are thinking I repented of the doctrine. I said, I want you to know. I've not repented of any of the doctrine. I still believe all of these things. And, but I, and you know, and he was, he was having a tough time understanding why I would want a fellowship with him. And I told him, I said, when it comes to the things that are most important to me, we line up. I, and I said, but I have to be able to preach what I believe from my pulpit. And I said, as long as you guys aren't trying to stop me, you know, as long as it's not creating a problem, I don't have a problem fellowshipping with you guys. And I, 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 the thing that I fear is happening in the IFB, it's become so political that many preachers are preaching things for political expedience sake rather than out of conviction. And I think that's a very unhealthy environment. I don't believe God's pleased with that. And, uh, you know, I just, I want, even if the guy's pre-trib, you know, I'm just not convinced these people truly believe it. I think they're just believing that way because they have to. And I want to, I want to help provide a place in the IFB world. If I can influence the IFB, I want to make it so people can preach with conviction in their churches without fearing just horrible political backlash. Yeah, I, I agree with as far as the you mentioned the priority, you know, the, uh, you know, your ex eschatological views, you know, is lower on the, the priority list when it comes to preaching to your church and teaching them. Um, it's still on the list, but uh, yeah, I would say it's a little bit lower on the list. And even anyone who wants to raise it higher, it's like, well, you know, why do you have a problem with what, the, you know, what my position is when I'm just reading, I'm, preaching straight from the Bible and, and I'm not, you know, you, you mentioned political views. I, I'm not adhering to, uh, you know, preconceived ideas from some tradition or some view that I've heard. I, I just looked at the Bible and studied the Bible like we all should do. And uh, I, you know, I, I agree it's lower on the priority list, but you know, it's, is something that's uh, it taught in the Bible. It's a doctrine that needs to be taught. And when it comes to you know being independent, uh, we have to, preach out of conviction all the time. Uh, and I, I like that about, you know, the IFB. I like that about being an independent church, an independent uh, pastor, because I can, you know, be led by the Holy Ghost and just, you know, dive into the Bible and learn and 
study and then I could preach it, you know, with conviction to, you know, my, my people. And uh, I don't have to worry about or be nervous about what other pastors are, are thinking because I know that this is this is what the Bible says. And if I if I stick to my conviction, if I stick to what the Bible says, and let the, the, the Bible be my authority and not some uh, commentary or some opinion of uh, you know, a, a great speaker or a, a great pastor, well, then, you know, I, I'll come out right, uh, you, you know, all the time. It doesn't matter how high up on the, you know, in priority list the doctrine is. If the doctrine is preached and taught with conviction uh, and the, the people understand it, they can read their Bible and come to the same conclusion then everything is great. And so um, I, I definitely appreciate the, the independence that we have, even though, you know, we, have, we may not agree on everything, but when it comes to doctrines that, that are you know, in, in the Bible and this particular doctrine, uh, the post-trib or rapture doctrine, um, you know, I, I think that we can all look at the Bible and say, yep, this is what I believe. This is what the Bible says and I'm sticking to it. So. Yeah. That's good. And yeah, we have to let Baptists be independent. And I think that there was in the, in the IFB movement, uh, in the old paths movement, I think these people had such conviction and they were so sure that, you know, the previous men of God were right, that they were willing to use any means necessary to get people to stick to the old paths. And unfortunately, they used intimidation. They used political pressure. They used, you know, uh, the desire to be featured in papers and preach on certain platforms to get people to stick to those things. Well, the problem with all of that is you're basically encouraging people not to be independent when you do that. And and I know as a parent, uh, one of the things that um, has always been in the back of my mind with my children as I've been raising them is that I want them to continue being an independent fundamental Baptist. And it is so easy to make your kids independent fundamental Baptist when they're little and you can spank them and all that kind of stuff. But one of these days, they're going to grow up. They're going to leave your house. So I always just had it in the back of my head. I have to convince them. You know, they ha this has to be a conviction for them. They're going to have to want this. I'm not going to be able to force it. I'm not going to be able to use intimidation, pressure, and things like that. And uh, and and I I want them to independently be Baptists themselves. And I think that's what we've got to make sure that we don't make the same mistake of the previous generation, where we get so sure we're right on our positions that we veer off from proving it scripturally. We also uh, take away people's autonomy as a church and we start using political pressure. We start using public shaming and things like that as a way to get people to do these things. Cause then we're just going to create a movement of another generation of preachers that are just doing things, you know, because that's what they were told to do. And that's what we have in the recovering fundamentalist world. I mean, these guys will, I mean, they have on their programs, talked about how at meetings and stuff, you know, they were forcing themselves to cry and go in the altar when they didn't even really feel led to because they were, they were under so much pressure to do these things. And they were basically encouraged to be fake and they, they obliged them. They were fake. Well, 
Now these guys, they finally couldn't handle it anymore. Now they're just being critical, throwing it all out. And if we do it the same way, if we, if we have that same mentality, eventually we'll have our recovering fundamentalists talking about how they faked everything that, you know, we teach people to do. Right. And that's what this, that's what this conference is about. Uh, this conference is, uh, and I'm glad we have friends uh, that we've invited that believe like us, that we can invite to come and speak on these, these doctrines that we believe together. Uh, but this conference is not about necessarily making friends or about keeping friends, uh, but it's about standing for the truth of the word of God. And it's about preaching that truth. And it's about exactly what you just said. It's about making sure that the doctrines that we're teaching and that we're not teaching them in a shallow manner where it's just sayings and poems and funny stories and allegories, but that we're actually from the Bible teaching uh, these doctrines as they're taught to us through the scriptures so that what we're passing down to the next generation are the scriptures and that they understand them and that they've seen them with their own eyes and that now because conviction doesn't come from you know tradition conviction comes from knowing what the bible says and then when you go ahead and you start changing you have to remember uh, that in your heart is the word of god and that's going to come back and that's what's going to start you know working on you and the holy spirit's got something to work on uh, you know when he's when he's got scripture in there to work with and so that's what this is all about. This is about teaching from the Bible why we believe what we believe and handing that down to the next generation so that when uh, the temptation comes in the future to start changing this or changing that, they remember not because we said it, but because the Bible says it. Yeah, I think that goes back to even the parenting side, as you had mentioned, Pastor McMurtry. You know, we want to instill that in our kids. I think being genuine covers so much um and just you know that's what i love about our view i'm confident the bible teaches a post-trib pre-wrath view that i would encourage you to read matthew 24 yeah, and revelation read those passages and let the text speak um and so having the confidence that that is actually what the bible teaches and i'm not worried that i have to be reading over your shoulder when mm -hmm. you read it because you might come out with the wrong view. That sounds Catholic to me, that you know right. you can't handle the Bible unless I'm over your shoulder interpreting it for you. So knowing and being comfortable in your position that you believe, and then being able to pass that down to the next generation, I think that helps. You know, My children are not independent fundamental because they're not allowed to go to another church. You know, I'm handing it down to my kids. This is what the Bible teaches. This is what we believe. And I want you to follow the Bible. Right. rather than follow me, rather than follow a denomination, follow the Bible and you'll end up independent fundamental Baptist. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's good stuff. So, uh, well, we probably better go ahead and shut this one down, but pastor Matthews, do you have any, uh, final things or the, uh, words that you'd like to say about the conference? I think everyone should come, whether you're pre-trib or post-trib, you'll probably, you know, leave, uh, as post-trib, uh, mm -hmm. but uh, that's just me trying to plug what I'll be talking about. But uh, yeah, I, I encourage everyone to uh, to show up and you know participate and and learn. Bring note, bring a notebook and pen, take notes and uh, and learn. So 
Yeah, man. How about you, Brother Scott and Pastor Boyle? Final words? Well, uh, you know, the, the like I said, the main thing the, uh, that we want to accomplish by having this conference is to stand for the truth of the Word of God. It's not necessarily to change uh, all the churches that don't believe like us. I don't think that's a realistic, uh, you know, uh, desire to have there. I, w I would love to see every independent Baptist church, you know, switch on this doctrine and believe like we believe. I think that would be great. I think it would, I think you'd see a revival across the entire country if, if every church, uh, in, that's how much I believe, you know, in what we believe that I think, you know, the, unfortunately the churches that aren't going soul winning anymore and the churches that are, uh, getting slack on standards, if they woke up to the truth, uh, that we we understand they would start changing things in their churches and there would be a, a great awakening uh, all over the place. But that's not exactly what we expect from having this conference, nor do we expect somebody that, you know, believes like we believe or learns these doctrines and then does, uh, you know, uh, start understanding and seeing things our way to go back and then try to change their church or undermine the teaching of the pastor that's there, that's definitely not what we want to accomplish uh, by having this conference. But at the same time, we do have to do what we know that we're supposed to do and preach the truth of the word of God. Amen. Yeah, I want to just kind of close with that same thought. Thank you, Pastor McMurphy, for having us. And Pastor Matthews, always good to fellowship with him and the great work he's doing in Jacksonville. Um, but I look forward to the conference for, for the, many of the same reasons as was mentioned, but also because people have put such a taboo issue on these subjects. If you don't mm -hmm. bless the Jews, God's going to curse you. And I would encourage you, look at Jacksonville, look at Rock Falls, Illinois, look at Revival Baptist, look at the churches that will be represented. And you know what you're going to see? Revival is happening. Yeah, amen. Families serving the Lord you know, loving God, growing up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, homeschools, wives staying at home, living separated, holy lives, coming together and belting out the hymns of the faith Amen. from their heart and soul. And I think, you know, hey, just come see that instead of just saying, hey, don't believe it because it's the boogeyman, let's actually look at the doctrine and let the Bible determine what we believe. Mm -hmm. And I think it'll do well to see churches standing up publicly saying, we are we believe in replacement theology and we're independent fundamental Baptists. Amen. We don't believe in dispensationalism and we're independent fundamental Amen. Baptists. We don't believe in a pre-trib rapture yet. We're still independent fundamental Baptists. In yeah. fact, if you didn't know any of those doctrinal differences and you came to one of our churches, you would say, that's what I remember fundamentalism. Amen. To be. So I'm looking forward to the conference. Yeah. Somebody said it earlier. It's uh, come and inspect the fruit of, a, of the churches that believe uh, in a post-trib pre-wrath rapture and that are non-dispensational and non-Zionist. Come inspect it and see for yourself. Amen. Yep. Yeah, no, good stuff. Yeah, and I guess my goal too, because I, uh, when it comes to my pre-trib friends, okay, those who are convinced of it, I don't try to change their mind. I don't put pressure on them to change their mind. I'm not being friends with them because I'm convinced I'm going to win them over. If I'm friends with somebody, if I have them come preach in my church, it's because I like them where they're at right now. And if they stay that way forever, I'll still be their friend forever. 
but if at the same time, I do want to make sure people know that you don't have to preach pre-trib if you don't believe it. And I'm just not convinced that everyone out there's actually studied it out and believes it. I think they're just kind of being pressured into it. And so I think that's a terrible place to be. I think I no preacher should preach something because of political pressure. They should only preach things because of conviction. And so I want to encourage people to, to get a backbone. I think some people too might just be scared of looking into it. I want to show them you don't have to be scared. Um, yeah, it the there's that the slippery slope of going post trib is you'll probably change your opinion on Israel. Yeah, that yeah that will probably happen, but that's where it ends. That's where it ends. And so far, uh, I never won the lottery when I was blessing Israel. I haven't won the lottery since I quit blessing Israel. Uh, you know, the Lord, but the Lord has uh, is continuing to bless me. My family is still blessed. I am still blessed. My church is still blessed, uh, even since we've changed on these things. And so um, you'll be okay. You'll be okay. In fact, I think you'll be more likely to stay an independent fundamental Baptist if you dump some of these uh, bad doctrines. And that's what I want. And so uh, uh, anyway, uh, but I do appreciate you guys coming on the program today. Appreciate everyone watching. Make sure you join us again tomorrow. Uh, Pastor Tim DeVries will be joining us on tomorrow's program and looking forward to hearing what he has to say about the conference. So thank you all for watching this. We will see you all next time. God bless.